Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today we are again recording from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians in Denver, Colorado. It is 2018, and we are talking with some great people who are making a big difference in Indian country. This is the 75th anniversary convention for the National Congress, and it's really brought an amazing group of people. One of them sitting across from me is no stranger. If you've listened to American Indian Living in the past, it is Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez from International BioCare Hospital and Wellness Center. It's great to have you with us. Well, delighted to be in Denver for this uh, 75th uh, convention. Uh, always a pleasure to be with all these wonderful people. Great to have you here with us for sure on our show. And tell me the truth, because I sometimes get confused. I've heard your group called International BioCare Hospital and Medical Center, but I'm looking at all your uh, material in front of me, and it just says BioCare. Have you shortened your name? Uh, not really. It's uh, We're International BioCare. We have shortened BioCare uh, just, uh, what could I tell you, as a terrain name or as a better idea of what we do. Okay. We okay. actually even transformed it into a verb. We say now BioCaring yourself and BioCare your life. And interesting, interesting. That type of thing. Well, for folks who know you, they know about the work you've been doing. And I'm just going to begin the show by sharing. You and I were both speakers at a presentation yesterday that was part of the convention. And the title of that conference was Partnering for the Health of All Native Nations. Uh, this special event, you shared some of what was happening at BioCare. And in fact, the one of the moderators for the event shared his own story, how he had uh, received the diagnosis of cancer, had really, uh, as he described it, didn't sound like, uh, the prospects were all that good mm -hmm. as far as the type of treatments and the results that they might entail, even if they could cure the cancer. And he shared with uh, the audience that he went down to your facility and felt that your program was responsible for curing his cancer. Was well, he speaking too freely? Well, uh, well, number one, yes, he was speaking very freely, but uh, let me tell you something. Uh, we have been missing uh, in the management of cancer, a very important ally. A cancer therapy, uh, as we do it nowadays, uh, has, has a rationale of cancer being a foreign thing that comes on, upon us and that we have to fight against. Mm. So we have this belief that we, if we can find the weapon to destroy this foreign thing that comes onto us, we're going to be successful. Now, this cancer is here. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to whatever do with it so it's gone, and then I'm healthy again. Hmm. The whole idea from the beginning to the end is absolutely false. 
this is so interesting because, you know, with many diseases, we don't use the word fight. We don't use the word, you know, enemy. Uh, We don't say, you know, we've got to pull this team together and defeat this. We don't hear that language when it comes to certain diseases. But with cancer, it's very much that way. And you got me thinking as a physician, as I'm listening to you, well, I know that cancer cells are, you know, just cells of the body that have gone awry. And I'm assuming this is somewhere where you're going with this analogy. That's exactly where I'm going. Where I'm going. We have a body with a lot of cells mm-hmm. that perform a lot of functions. And many times when people say, oh, how come did I have cancer? My, my biggest question is, how come we don't all have cancer? Okay. We, we have all these functions, all these millions and millions of cells functioning day in, day out, always 24-7. We never rest. Our body never rests. However, we function well through many, many years. And many people can live to be 100 or to be 80 and functional and working and doing a lot of things. So the, the question is, when anything like cancer happens, why did it happen in the first place? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have to reconstruct the whole situation in order to have a better idea of what's happening and to have a better idea of what we're going to do about it. I mean, you've definitely got our interest, and I think one of the things that's so compelling is those who were in the meeting yesterday. It wasn't just one of the moderators sharing his story. You had a number of testimonials on video of people who had uh, beaten cancer. One of them, he didn't, uh, I don't recall hearing what type of cancer he had, but he basically said he had stage four cancer, death sentence basically given up by conventional practitioners, ended up at your facility. Now, we don't want to represent to the listening audience that anyone with cancer can go to your facility and be cured. Is that true? That's absolutely true. Okay, so there are people that still die even though they come to your facility. But you're doing some things that are different than much of conventional care, and part of it relates to this question. Absolutely, and part relates a lot to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you want to conquer any disease, not only cancer, anything, could be a common flu, Mm -hmm. if you want to conquer that disease, you have to think of your body as a living organism which is very resourceful. We have a lot of possibilities to fight off disease, to prevent disease, to uh, cope with it, Mm -hmm. to handle it, without ever seeing a doctor, without ever taking medication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Suffice to say that we have been around for thousands of years without a doctor, without the AMA, without a hospital, Uh and we survived. Mm-hmm. How did we survive if we didn't have any prescriptions or anything like that? Because our body had the resources to bounce back to health. And that's exactly what healing is about. And that's exactly where the rational of what we do begins. See? I come from a family. My father was an accountant. My mother was a housewife. But um, he had two great, uh, great in the sense of fantastic uh, grandmothers, and uh, everybody talk about health for whatever reason. Interesting. Everybody was concerned about that. What children should eat, what you should uh, do, how you should take care of yourself during the winter months, and that type of thing. 
it was common talk. And when I started in medical school, I saw none of that counted. Mm. I mean, you go to medical school and you get nothing in terms of nutrition and, and health care or, or vital care for that matter. I was talking yesterday to a gal who's going into medicine after being in pre-med for veterinary medicine. Oh, interesting. And she was complaining because she says, oh, I know, I don't know enough about nutrition because when I was in vet medicine, uh -huh. I only had two courses of nutrition. I said, you only had two. Doctors get none. <laughs> That's the big difference uh -huh. because veterinarians are very concerned about what your pet eats. Interesting. Any one of us that has taken their pet to the doctor, the veterinarian, you, you, they always ask you, what are you feeding? Mm -hmm. The cat wave or the dog. Uh, doctors never ask you, what do you exactly eat? And you see a person that's obviously overweight, or you see a person that's obviously emaciated, or you see a person that has obviously some weaknesses, and nobody stops to say, and how do you do? How do you live? What do you eat? You see, so to me, that's the part of medicine that has been completely out of the picture. And to me, it's one of the big causes of why medicine today is not doing what it's supposed to do with all the resources that it has at hand. Now, of course, many people that listen to our show, they know that we often do have experts that are talking about lifestyle and are talking about nutrition. But Today, when we speak about nutrition, we speak about lifestyle, most people say, yeah, that can make a difference with heart disease or with diabetes or with high blood pressure. But cancer, for most people, there's nothing that seems to come on the radar screen for the average person, at least in the conventional setting, that talks about nutrition, at least in my experience in dealing with patients. I don't have my patients come back to me who have seen the oncologist saying, well, the oncologist said, I've really got to make these changes in my diet. Why is it that so many of these other fields are starting to embrace the idea that there's a part that the patient has to play, maybe the key part, the key role, as far as changing their lifestyle, but when it comes to cancer, they're a victim, something's happening to them, and the doctors have to get rid of this cancer. Why is that, do you think? I don't know exactly what it all, where, where it all started. I have my own theories. Okay. Uh, some of my theories are that the coming, the, the beginning of the use of the antibiotics. Mm. Uh, I come from a generation that I remember I, I had an appendix surgery in uh, when I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be 50 years of being a doctor. I'm going to be 75. Wow. Age. Uh, so I come from a time where medicine was done in a different way. So mm -hmm. I had my surgery at nine years old. And I remember that it was a very serious appendicitis. And I remember my father telling me that you owe me a lot of money. Because <laughs> after you came out of the surgery, we had to buy some antibiotics that uh. were given in a shot every so often. You got the shot like every four hours, something uh -huh. like that. And uh, and it was very expensive, but was the beginning of. I remember my doctor telling me, you were born at the right time. Hmm. Two years before, you'd be dead. So the success of the antibiotics was so overwhelming, so fantastic. Uh -huh. 
-huh. You saw people like, for example, in the front uh, during the wars being amputated and no more gangrene. That's a lot to say. Mm -hmm. And tuberculosis, which killed everybody, being cured. I mean, not controlled or improved. Completely cured. Mm -hmm. And pneumonias, I mean, what is a pneumonia today? You meet somebody in a, in, a, in a business meeting or at the movies, and they say, oh, I don't feel well because my doctor told me I have pneumonia. They still go to the movies. Mm -hmm. So all that changed in a very dramatic way. And when chemotherapy started with the same type of rationale, chemotherapy started has the same rationale. We're going to find a drug that kills the cancer cell but doesn't kill the patient, doesn't affect the patient. Okay. Now, the whole rationale is totally wrong because mm -hmm. when you have an infection, the infection is normally a bacteria. Right, right. Now, this is very important for listeners. A bacteria is a vegetable cell. Bacteria are vegetables and they have metabolic functions that do not occur in humans. Mm -hmm. So, when penicillin, penicillin came about, it blocks a function that doesn't exist in humans or in animal cells for that matter. So you can kill the infection and your body glides through it mm -hmm. very successfully. Mm -hmm. Now, when you use a drug to kill a cancer cell, you're the one to kill a human cell. It's a total different story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you kill the cancer, but you are affecting every single cell in the organism. And anyone that has either gotten chemotherapy or seen anybody treated with chemotherapy, you know they're going to feel miserable, mm -hmm. they're going to vomit, they're going to be nauseated, they're going to lose their hair, they're going to have all these terrible side effects that give so poor reputation to cancer therapy. Well, at least with the worst chemotherapeutic agents, right? Because, I mean, to be honest, right, some of those chemotherapy agents are... Even antibiotics, I mean, are, are sometimes used. Many of them are you know, yeah. antibiotics. Many of them are modified antibiotics, and the name gives you the clue. Mm -hmm. You use vincristin, and mm -hmm. you use uh, this type of ending, like uh, with penicillin. Or adriamycin. Or adriamycin, etc. Uh -huh. So you're using them, because the idea was to destroy the cancer cell. Period. Very interesting, very interesting. So we are talking about something that really brings us very, very close to home because it seems like there's hardly anyone today who doesn't have a family member, a loved one, if not themselves, who has dealt with cancer. We've got to talk more about this. We've got some encouraging news from Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez, the founder and the medical director of International BioCare Hospital and Wellness Center. Some amazing insights into cancer, things that can make a difference for you. A lot more coming up. Don't go away. I'm Dr. DeRose. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen... High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. 
For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with my guest, Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez. Dr. Rodriguez is the Medical Director of International BioCare Hospital and Wellness Center in Tijuana, Mexico. I have been to uh, Dr. Rodriguez's facility and... You know, I may have shared this on air before. I may have even told you this. But when I've heard stuff over the years about alternative cancer therapies, as a trained physician, my um, reservations immediately rise. My skepticism goes up. But I was very impressed at your facility with what I sensed, uh, not just grabbing on to, you know, different ideas, trying them out, but you're really trying to bring a sound scientific basis to what you do. I mean, that doesn't mean at the end of the day, you and I, if we sat down, we're going to agree on, on every single thing. But I was very impressed with that, that you're taking a medical approach, but you're taking this holistic perspective. You're looking at people as whole people. You're trying to strengthen them. You're not just trying to kill a cancer. This is really what we're talking about, isn't it? This is what we're talking about. I'm, I'm going to, to take two comments that you... Uh, made before. One of them, there is hardly anybody nowadays that doesn't have a person, a known person, with cancer. Mm -hmm. Which means we have a lot more cancer than what we used to have. Fair enough. When I began medical school, I remember cancer was an old person's disease. Mm. They would say he got cancer, but he's 79, 80, that's okay. Uh, that's one of the statements. The other one that you, that you made, which is also very important, is we connect lifestyle with heart disease, with diabetes, not with cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's also a very important comment. I'm going to take from those two. Okay, please. To tell you 
how we see cancer, how we see our, our ways to approach cancer. Mm -hmm. Number one, we're seeing a lot more cancer than we what we used to see, and that number has changed dramatically in the last few decades. Mm. We're not talking about the difference in cancer of 1700 to today. We're talking 1950 to today. Mm -hmm. We're talking 1960 to today. This is within the lifespan of any one of us. The other one is lifestyle. And when the more we go, the deeper we go into the real science of cancer, the more we should understand that this is a condition that we developed because something within our body is not working properly. Hmm. 2018 just happened. Okay. Nobel Prize in medicine goes to who? who? Goes to the people that have discovered that antibodies can fight against a cancer cell because they're specific, they can go directly to the problem, and they have many advantages. But what is, what is an immune cell? What is, what is what we're working with? We're working now with human cells, mm -hmm. not with drugs. Right, right. Now we're talking with a total different approach. Now we're using some of those body resources to fight the cancer. Mm. One of the things that has appeared in the last few years, I would say, we didn't even talk about it really seriously uh, 10 years ago, is intestinal flora. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But now we know that when we eat fiber, And I, I'm not, I don't want to, and, and every time you say fiber, you think of some witchcraft remedy. And I'm like you. I, I, I have been all my life very skeptical about a lot of the things that I hear mm -hmm. in the alternative medicine world. But now we know that that fiber can be transformed by the intestinal flora into short-chain fatty acids, mm -hmm. one of which can actually in vitro transfer a cancer cell into a normal cell, can, can modify the metabolic condition of that cell. So the question is, every time you eat fiber, are we actually preventing cancer? And we're seeing colon cancer more and more frequent mm -hmm. than ever, mm -hmm. but we have changed our diets dramatically. Fiber is not any longer in the diet. We're seeing a lot of diabetes. Well, another of those essential fatty acids are acetates, and propionates, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. those help control sugar levels in the body. So by changing the, the nature of our intestinal flora, we're depriving our body from substances that have important biochemical functions in the body and that can prevent and even reverse uh, serious illnesses like cancer. Well, let's talk about this, because I think this is a subject that really uh, is off the radar screen. I mean, many aspects of what we're talking about for many people, including physicians. Let's talk a little bit about this interface between diabetes and cancer. And, and let me share with you something from my perspective. You tell me if that resonates with your experience, with your research. Uh, my understanding is that insulin, although it's necessary for life, is also a hormone. We sometimes call it a trophic or a growth hormone that can literally feed cancer. So when we look at data on people that have type 2 diabetes, when insulin is not working as well as it should, we call it insulin resistance, 
early in the process, their insulin levels go up. You look at the research, they not only have higher risk of diabetes, they have higher risk of cancer. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of folks are saying, well, presumably this is from these higher insulin levels. First of all, is that sound like that resonates with research you've seen, or is that some stuff that's been discredited? I think it goes hand in hand. Okay. One of the one of the biggest challenges uh, for people and physicians is to understand that we're not talking of a big group of illnesses. We're talking about of chronic inflammatory-based, metabolically-based diseases that are very much connected. Hmm. Cancer, so, diabetes, uh -huh. heart disease, high blood pressure. How many people have all of them? Right, right, right. Many people have all of them. And you, you find one person like with obesity, immediately you think diabetes. Mm -hmm. Immediately you think high blood pressure. Immediately you think heart disease. And you could think cancer as well. No, good point, good point. See? So I think that we're talking of the end result of a very serious metabolic imbalance created first and foremost by the way we lived. So why you've got my interest is because I know there's folks tuning in right now and, and they're listening, just like you said, they have loved ones who have cancer, but they're also dealing with issues themselves. They have diabetes maybe, they have high blood pressure. And we know this uh, insulin signaling and metabolism feed into these other diseases that may even seem to be more common, and you know, statistically they are. So I'm trying to make sure I'm understanding correctly what you're saying about what we sometimes call the microbiome, the, the intestinal flora, the germs, the natural good germs, if you will, that live in our intestines. And you mentioned that one of these groups of chemicals, byproducts of the fiber, are these short-chain fatty acids. Mm -hmm. You're saying some of them actually have a direct effect on treating diabetes? Did I hear that? More than treating diabetes, they are the preventive factor that we have within our body to prevent diabetes, to, to help it. But if you have a patient that already has diabetes, I'm absolutely positive that, and we have seen it many times over, that by making the changes in the lifestyle, even without any medication, people start improving and mm -hmm. functioning mm -hmm. better. So do we know why? Do we know why these certain chemicals somehow help diabetes? Do we have those dots connected, or is it just more of a... There, no, there are many dots connected in, in, uh, in this area. There are many things that, that come together and show you that uh, these situations are very much uh, close. Uh, another thing that brings all these diseases together is statistics. Okay. The increase in diabetes or high blood pressure or in cancer literally go hand in hand. If mm. you look at the curves in, of the last few years, and I say the last few years because we have produced something very dramatic. We are like... Uh, Allergies, something that mm -hmm. can be very well traced, allergies have doubled in the last 40 years. And the, the problem is that medicine denies these things. Because many times you, you say, we're seeing a lot of cancer. And the doctor will tell you, because we're living longer. My question is, if we have cancer because we're living longer, where do I put the people with cancer 
that are in their 30s okay. or 40s. Okay, good point. Good you point. And, and we're seeing more and more of those. Mm -hmm. And the younger you are, the more aggressive the cancer is going to be for the same reason. Because they're your own cells and they have the vitality of a young person. And when you see a patient with cancer, 85, you can be calmer because you know that the patient is going to go slower in the progression of the cancer. But a young person, a 30-something, a 40-something, that's going to be serious. Now, you've really got us thinking here. You've got me thinking because just like we've seen and featured on this show, we can reverse diabetes with lifestyle. Uh, many folks uh, know that I've written a book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. We talked there about how you can reverse high blood pressure with lifestyle. We're hearing about an approach that we may be able to even reverse cancer or some of its elements by lifestyle. We've got to hear more. Are you able to stay by for our next segment? Absolutely. We're not going away. Don't you go away either. We're going to be talking more with Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez from International BioCare Hospital and Wellness Center. You don't want to miss his insights that can make a difference in preventing or perhaps even treating cancer. We'll be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. More right after this. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood... Or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez. Dr. Rodriguez is a medical doctor, is an MD, and you've actually gotten some of your medical training in the U.S., right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I'm a regular MD. Mm-hmm. I did my, like any foreign physician in the world, looking up to American medicine. So uh, uh, when I had the chance, I tried to do something about it. I did my internship in Toronto, mm-hmm. and then I came to uh, New York City. I am a nuclear physician, mm-hmm. by the way, and uh, part of my training in nuclear uh, medicine, I did it in New York and uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and I was very proud of all of that. Mm-hmm. I was a very much a very orthodox, regular medical doctor. So how does an orthodox medical doctor, U.S. trained, U.S. residency, how does he end up back in your homeland, right? Weren't you uh, uh, actually of Native American roots, if you will, from Central America, right? Absolutely, yes. So tell us how you ended up back there. Were you excited to go back and you're going to open this uh, alternative medicine facility? Not at all. I went back to my activity, which was nuclear medicine. Mm -hmm. However, I have a group of friends that opened an alternative medical center in Tijuana. Okay. I'm talking 1976, a okay. long time ago. And, uh, but they needed a, a nuclear physician because they put scanners and all these uh, things. Okay. And they needed somebody. So they were looking for somebody and they called me and they say, come on, help us and you can work with us and we're part of the team and good, long life, uh, long, long <laughs> friends, etc., etc. So finally, I did some arrangements with my work at the present time, and I went and I told him, I saw the thing, and I said, I'm going to help you for three months. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help you to get somebody. I'm going to help you train people in here. But I'm history. After three months, I'm going to be gone. Okay. And I don't want you to use my name because I don't want my name connected to alternative medicine. Mm. I'm not a person with vitamin C or lateral or you name mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I don't want my name associated to that. Because, of course, it raised a lot of uh, questions in my head. Mm-hmm. When I started doing the scans and doing all the work, I started looking at some results that were kind of impressive, kind mm-hmm. of very nice. And I selected 17 cases okay. that I thought were very good. 16 came from one from the same physician who was a lady doctor. She was referring patients to your facility? Okay. So I went to see her. Uh And I said, look, I I have searched and looked for these cases, and all of them but one come from your office. So obviously you know something the rest of us don't know. What are you doing? She answered with one word. She said, nutrition. Hmm. I said, come on, don't, don't, don't tell me that. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't tell me that if you eat broccoli, you're going to get well of cancer. And she told me, well, it's not necessarily broccoli, but uh, she started talking to me. And uh, we continue working together. And after the three months, they made me another offer. And one thing brought the other. I, I stayed for about uh, a year. And after a year... 
I was kind of sold of what was going on. Okay. All my life, I was on the research part of medicine, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, more than uh, seeing patients. That's why I became a nuclear physician, mm-hmm. and I worked for the pharmacology department of my of, uh, at the university. I was always in that type of activity. I loved it. And when I saw these people doing better, I knew there had to be something more about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And as I told you, my upbringing of... Uh, of healthcare and teas and diets and etc., uh, kind of put the things together, and I wanted to to know more. And the the only thing I can tell you right now is that this whole idea was right from the beginning, probably for the wrong reasons, because huh. we didn't know what we know today. Okay. Okay. We didn't know, for example, uh, about. Uh, these uh, short-chain fatty acids being uh-huh. derived from the fiber of the of the diet, we didn't know a lot of these things. I come from a generation that stool is stool, uh-huh. and that's dirty, okay, and that's bad. And now it turns out that now we consider the microbiome one more organ in our body mm. because it has more cells than our brain, or lungs, or heart. Only the liver is bigger than our microbiome by, by weight. So it's really an organ in its own right and produces hormones and regulates sugar mm. and fights cancer and gives us energy, good energy. And, uh, and, and that knowledge has brought us to understand a lot of other things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole dialogue, you know, it, it really draws us in and it also has got me thinking here because I've heard you described as uh, one of the founders of the founders of international biocare. Is that true or not? Have I, have I... Yes, you're right. So now is this a different facility than the one you came to help it's, with? It's a different facility. I'm, I'm connecting the dots. Okay. As things progress in time, uh, this facility that I was brought into kind of disintegrated mm-hmm. for business reasons. I see. And, uh, but I continued to work. By then, I knew a lot of patients, people that were calling me and wanted uh-huh. to do more things. And then it's when the idea came about with me and other friends, we need to open a facility where we can do what we think we can do mm-hmm. and where we can see if everything we think of uh, dealing with these diseases is going to work. Little did I know that 30 years later, cancer is becoming rampant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Diabetes. Right. I sometimes ask other doctors, uh, is there any way that uh, we're going to see people without high blood pressure in the future? Mm. Because it's it's becoming a common thing. It's crazy. When we did the research for our book, uh, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, it was astounding. I mean, the, the current data, and you know this, Dr. Rodriguez, is the average person, living a normal lifespan, they got about a 90% chance that they're going to have high blood pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And like you ask, you know, is anyone, you know, over time, is anyone going to avoid this? But what we're finding is just like you're finding, lifestyle makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Let me go back to cancer a little bit. Mm -hmm. One of the causes, one of the major causes of failure in cancer therapy is inflammation. Mm. Inflammatory markers mm-hmm. block the action of what oncologists try to do every day with chemotherapy and so forth. Okay. So 
if you can reduce those markers, chemotherapy becomes more effective. And I'm saying this for a fact, because University of San Diego, University of California in San Diego, is working with procedures to remove, through plasmapheresis, very complicated procedure, uh, inflammatory markers, and then gives the chemotherapy and becomes a lot more effective. So when we talk inflammatory markers, I mean, some of us in the medical field, we may think of the interleukins or tumor necrosis factors, some of these You're things. You're absolutely we, correct. And so for lay people, they say, well, you know, this all sounds like uh, just gibberish, but these are the same kind of compounds that are fueling rheumatoid arthritis and autoimmune diseases. And if someone's watching a commercial on TV and they say, you know, we got this new drug for rheumatoid arthritis, they're likely targeting a tumor necrosis factor or an interleukin or something like that. They're literally targeting inflammatory parts of the process. And so what you're saying is that the research shows us that if these inflammatory markers go up and someone is being given chemotherapy, the chemotherapy is not going to work as well? It's not going to work as well. You're absolutely correct. Okay. Now, this is starting to get really interesting. I'm just thinking of some papers that I looked at recently looking at lack of sleep and inflammatory markers. And it uh, it was showing how when you don't get enough sleep, these inflammatory markers just surge. Are you saying that something even as simple as not getting enough sleep could be affecting our cancer risk? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. You, you said it absolutely correctly. And that's another part of the lifestyle process. You know, lifestyle when you say lifestyle, people think, or I should eat better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, but it's, it's everything. It's literally everything. Stress levels mm-hmm. raise inflammatory markers. Okay. Uh, lack of sleep. Uh, uh, there are so many things that you can do to reduce them. And at the same time, it's very easy to reduce them. Hmm. Uh, because, and then it's when a lot of things began to down on me that what many people in, al- in the alternative medical world were doing uh, just a little bit of guesswork or heard, uh, heard it here or there mm-hmm. were, were absolutely right. Because uh, what happens is if you fast a little bit or if you eat less, uh-huh. inflammatory markers go down. Okay. If you rest more, go down. If you exercise wisely, they go down. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a, a, another point that has just come up in the literature recently. Okay. When you have a cancer patient, do you send them moving around or you provide them with rest? We all are going to take our cancer patient and say, no, you lay down, you sit down, don't, don't do anything, I'll do it for you. Well, now it happens to be that we have seen that when, a, when you have a cancer patient and the cancer patient starts an exercise program, mm-hmm. inflammatory markers go down okay. and longevity comes with it. Very interesting. So we are now uh, thinking that a cancer patient has to do these changes as well. One of the things I've been interested in, and I'm actually trying to finish up a, a new book called The Methuselah Factor. We're looking at blood fluidity. And one of the things that affects blood fluidity, of course, is inflammatory markers. 
Is this one of the factors that's involved in this whole cancer uh, uh, pathway? Uh, I'm going to cite the Bible. Okay. Life is in the blood. Okay. Okay. If you believe that life is in the blood, hmm. I can tell you that blood brings life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, we have three factors that radically and directly affect blood flow. The first one, of course, is the pump. Mm -hmm. This is the, the, the heart. Right. The second is the blood vessel. Mm -hmm. The third is viscosity of the blood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not the same if you try to pump oil than if you try to pump water. Exactly. Okay? Inflammatory markers and certain protein factors that appear with inflammation make the blood very thick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then that blood that should be provided, should be providing with life is not working anymore mm -hmm. or is not working as efficiently. Mm -hmm. Now, when we start, people don't, don't even begin to understand everything that happens when we change our lifestyle. Wow, this is just fascinating stuff. And already I am getting very, very worried we're not going to hear even some of the most important stuff, but we've got a lot more to come, even though we've only got one more segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're going to be back with more in our final segment. You'll hear about how you can contact Dr. Rodriguez as well. Don't go away. That's coming up in our next segment. I'm Dr. DeRose. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. 
Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to our final segment of American Indian Living. Here at the convention venue for the National Congress of American Indians 2018, we're in Denver, Denver, Colorado, of course, and we are here for the 75th such event, the 75th anniversary convention for the National Congress. Across from me is uh, a gentleman who has been with me from the beginning of the hour, Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez, MD, Medical Director of International BioCare Hospital and Medical Center. Before we talk more about cancer and some of these practical insights, Dr. Rodriguez, folks have been listening. They've heard, if they've been with us from the top of the hour, that your clinic is in Tijuana. I'm going to mention something. Uh, I'll tell you, I was not all that excited about venturing into Mexico to visit a uh, treatment center. But I was at some meetings in San Diego a while back, a few years ago. One of my friends said, you got to see Dr. Rodriguez's facility. You guys were very gracious, and you did something that I gather you don't just do for me, but you came and met me in San Diego, got me across the border, uh, helped me see what was happening in the facility, let me meet some of your staff. Uh, I walked away actually very impressed. Someone's listening today. They're interested in coming to your facility, maybe just want to know more. Is it just that easy a process? I mean, do they not even have to fly to Mexico? You'll actually pick them up in, in the U.S.? We are uh, a couple of miles from the U.S. border and uh, 17 miles from San Diego Airport. Okay. So that's that says it, says it all. So really someone just has to think, I just got to get to San Diego. You'll get them down to your facility. We meet them, meet them at the airport. We drive them to our facility. We take them around for appointments or even shopping, and then we drive them back to the airport when the time comes. Now, a lot of people have heard horror stories about Mexico. It was a few years ago when I was there. I'll just for the record say I didn't see any dead bodies on the street while we were driving to your facility. There were no armed guards at your facility. Mm-hmm. Um, is it safe where you're at? It is very safe. Uh, we're the Mexico-U.S. border, and this is actually the busiest border crossing in the world. So there's a lot of surveillance. And yes, uh, some things happen like everywhere else. But I think you're going to be safer than in a concert in Vegas. Okay, okay, fair enough. Okay, we get the message. So someone wants to learn more about your facility, maybe they even want to talk with you. I mean, that's probably not possible, right? Someone couldn't talk or communicate. No, no, uh, no, quite the contrary. That's that's really my my job. Uh, I sometimes feel like a preacher. Uh, If anyone wants to, to, to talk to me, they can call the 800 number and say, I want to talk to Dr. Rodriguez personally. No problem. Are you serious? I'm, I'm absolutely I mean, serious. This show goes out in 170 stations. You're saying anybody listening to American Indian Living can, can, get... can, can call me and talk to me, yes. And, and, I, and I like to talk to people because I like, in a way, to teach, to, to, to share what I know. Okay, let me see if I've got this. You're making this offer because you know it's going to be an expensive international call to Mexico. Is that part of it? I don't think uh, there is such a thing anymore in the world of okay. an international call. No, and we have a toll-free number. It's an 800 number. And it's a U.S. number that's toll-free? It's free? a U.S. number, yes. How about Canada? Will it work there? It will work in Canada as well. What's the number? 
800-701-7345. Okay, I want to make sure I got this. 1-800-701-7345. That's correct. Okay, and if anyone wants to speak with you, maybe they've got a friend or a loved one with cancer or some other disease that they feel might be helped by a more holistic approach, they can ask to speak with you. Absolutely. Now, some people might say, well, that's a little daunting. Um, is there a way, maybe through the Internet, just to send a quick email, just to kind of feel things out? Yes, and uh, we have the email, uh, which is doctor at biocarehospital.com. Okay, so doctor, that's D-O-C-T-O-R, at biocare. Hospital.com. That's correct. And so BioCare, it's pretty easy to spell. Bio, B-I-O, care, C-A-R-E, right? Hospital. Hospital.com. And anyone that has any medical question for that matter, they can email me. Mm-hmm. I answer all my emails. I love to do that. I have questions, all kinds of health questions. Uh-huh. And uh, I try to give my honest-to-God uh, best opinion to, to what people are asking. This is great. We've been talking about cancer, and I've been walking away with some dots that you're connecting. Uh, I'm hearing this, just just to kind of, because I'm thinking of the person who's saying, I want something practical. We've talked about a number of practical things. What I'm hearing is, if I've got cancer or if I want to prevent cancer, I want to eat more fiber, more beans maybe, um, more uh, plant foods. Maybe we'd say it that way. So we get our natural fibers. So I want to eat more fiber. I want to get adequate rest, but I don't want to just lay in bed. I want to get judicious exercise. Now, if we overdo it, that's not good either, right? That's not good either. Okay. What kind of other things are in that recipe for better health, uh, avoiding cancer, maybe even helping treat cancer? Stress is very important. Mm. I think stress is very important, and uh, it's not really what happens to us. It's how we take it. Okay. So we have to become probably a little bit more tolerant, uh, a little bit uh, uh, humble, and accept things as they are and use our heads, not our tummies. I always tell my patients, every time you see a problem, get it in your head. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do something about it. But everything should be in your head. If you feel it in your stomach, it went the wrong way. Hmm. that's going to upset your blood pressure. That's going to upset your metabolic rate. It's going to upset a lot of things. Don't let that thing happen. It should not go uh, down the, 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 the neck level. Everything should be handled uh, rationally and not emotionally. So someone's listening to the show. They're saying, okay, well, this guy's doing a lot of stuff that I could just do at home. When I was there... One of the things I thought I heard at your facility was, although a lot of people think, well, you either have the natural or the alternative, or you have the conventional, what I thought I heard is that you actually do have some of your patients maybe getting surgery or getting chemotherapy, but they're needing less extensive surgery, lower doses of the chemotherapy. Was I hearing that right, or was I just dreaming? You're you're hearing it very right. The biggest challenge for the patient and for the doctors is to understand that anything you want to do as a treatment has to be backed up and has to be in alliance with your body. Hmm. It's not two separate things. It's not, this is the treatment for this cancer cell, 
No, this is a treatment for this person that has a cancer cell, and this is what the body can do to fight it off. Mm -hmm. And if you put the two together, you're going to go a much longer way than if you just try to separate them. If, if you, people are going to eat whatever and do nothing and move, no, uh, don't move and don't have good flow and don't take care of inflammatory markers and so on, mm -hmm. the therapy is going to fail. Mm. It has big chances of failure. And that's what we see day in and day out. So when people say, okay, I'm going to do it, I'm going to come to the hospital, I have a lot of people that are being treated in major medical centers in the U.S. Mm -hmm. that in between treatments come to the hospital and do some of these therapies and some I of these see. methods. I see. Interesting. So they're getting their treatment at, at whatever the, the best cancer center is that they can find or in, in, their, in their program or mm -hmm. in their insurance options. And then maybe they get the chemotherapy for a week and then they're off it for a couple of weeks. Or a, yeah. And, and something that I want to say before we, we finish this show, because to me it's also very important. Mm -hmm. People always plan for the future, okay. mainly financially. Uh -huh. You get assets, you get retirement funds, you get a lot of those things. Where are you going to be health-wise when it's time to use that money? Uh, good point. So long-term health planning nice. is something very important for people to understand, mm -hmm. for people to to grasp, for people to accept. Mm -hmm. Because when the time comes for you to use those funds, you want them for travel, for leisure. You don't want them for medical expenses. Mm. You're going to live longer, healthier, more productive if you start planning today. Mm -hmm. And we have now many people that come to the hospital for a week or 10 days, like if it were a health cruise, and improve. Wow. So someone can just uh, start thinking in terms of instead of investing their money in the next cruise where no one is there looking out for their health, they could take a health cruise down to uh, at least start in San Diego and sweep down into Tijuana. Correct. Correct. That is a great concept. Dr. Rodriguez, our time has just about slipped away. Some may have just joined us. They hear us speaking about cancer, cancer treatment, complementary therapies, whatever term you want to use, and they're saying, boy, I'd like to get more information about what's happening down there. Give us, again, some of the uh, the points of contact. What are the phone numbers, the website, email, whatever, for International BioCare? Very simple. We have a toll-free number that you can use from U.S. and Canada, 800-701-7345, and an email, doctor, the full word, D-O-C-T-O-R, at biocarehospital.com. Thank you, Dr. Rodriguez. Again, one more time, if you didn't get that, 1-800-701-7345 and the email doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R, at biocarehospital.com. We have got to run. Hopefully today's show has made a difference for you. As always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.